There are 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, roughly 730 hours in a month, 8,760 hours in a year. How are you spending yours? Oh, you don't have to tell. That's okay. You just think about it. Of course, we sleep about a third of that time. Uh, for some of you, uh, it's a little longer maybe, or for others, maybe not as much. Uh, commuting uh, takes a lot of time. There's there's uh, work and school, of course. It takes up a, a lot of that. There's household chores and, and projects and things. There's there's uh, a prep time, you know, like like getting up, getting ready for whatever we're, we're doing uh, for the day or getting ready for bed at night. So all of those things take time. And then there's, there's the leisure time. Some of you don't know what that is probably, uh, but, uh, but actually, uh, you know, that's the discretionary time, the time that we can, we can decide for ourselves what we're going to do. Um, there was a recent survey by the, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it says that the average American 15 years of age and older has almost five hours of leisure time every day. Some of you don't agree with that, probably. Uh, you're, you're wondering, maybe you can get somebody else's uh, leisure time. I don't know. Uh, amazingly, uh, according to this survey, I don't understand this, but it says that men uh, have more leisure time than women. Um, those of you that are uh, women would probably agree with that. I don't know. And, then, and, and so the question is, well, what are we doing with all of this, uh, this time that we have? And uh, according to this survey, uh, roughly two-thirds of that five hours of leisure time we spend in front of the television and other screens. Um, and, and I would probably tend to agree with that. We also have hobbies, right? We, 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 we try to, to we have the, the, our work and we have our other things, but then there are things that we spend our time on uh, because we can't just sit there all the time. Uh, I mean, we've got to do something. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for something to break up the monotony of your life, Netflix has gotten stale. Uh, maybe you're, you're interested in a few of these unique hobbies that I ran across. Go ahead and go to the, the first one there, David. This is tree shaping. Um, you train living trees and other woody plants into artistic or useful shapes. That guy grew his own chair. How about that? Now, that took more than five hours on a Thursday afternoon, probably. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's, that's pretty cool. Some of you have just decided you're going to take up tree shaping. Uh, next one, beetle fighting. Um, some people enjoy uh, getting the uh, the beetles, Japanese beetles, other types of beetles, and um, and letting them fight each other. And whoever wins, then you take that beetle on to the next round. And some of them, some people are even breeding specific types of beetles so that they can win the beetle fights. Beetle fighting. I think more of you are going into tree shaping than beetle fighting, but I don't know. Uh, next one: extreme ironing. Honest. It's an extreme sport in which people take ironing boards to remote locations and iron items of clothing. According to the Extreme Ironing Bureau, really, it exists, extreme ironing is, quote, the latest danger sport that combines the thrills of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well-pressed shirt. So there you go. Uh, next one, maybe not quite so exciting, stone skipping. Uh, you take a nice oval stone and you skip it on the water and make it bounce as many times as you can. The record so far, uh, from what I read, is 51 times someone got the stone 
to skip. And that means someone counted all those times as well. Uh, uh, here's another one, element collecting. Uh, those of you that are science geek, I mean science people, uh, will, uh, will know that, uh, that there is this thing called the, uh, the chart, you know, the periodic table of the elements. And there are some people that, uh, it's their hobby to go and collect each of these elements and they actually like have them organized as the periodic table. And uh, that's pretty cool if you're into that. So there you go, element collecting. Next one, some of you might be UFO hunting. Um, what about that guy? Um, okay, so I think we just move right on. Uh, dog grooming, um, but maybe extreme dog grooming. Uh, I especially like this one who has Mofasa on his backside. I, it's it's um, interesting. So uh, uh, anyway, this this is uh, this is a, a hobby. Uh, here's one that I just ran across this week: uh, toy voyaging. Do you have a toy that needs a vacation? By registering at toyvoyagers.com, real, real site, I went there this week, you can find your toy a host from around the world, or you can offer to host someone else's toy. And so there's, uh, there's this guy, and he's visiting, I don't know, the fjords somewhere. So uh, anyway, and then there's, then there's this guy. Go ahead and just run that while I'm uh, 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 talking. There's, there's this guy who appears in the background on television, uh, especially TV newscasts. Uh, notice there's, there's a guy there. Uh, his name is Paul Yarrow. He's from London, and, uh, and, and he is actually he's kind of making a statement um, where uh, it's... Got some snacks on that one, I think. Changed the shirt that time. Got a phone call. Not going to stop him, though. Okay. Uh, uh, He says he's making a statement on how we judge people by their appearance, and he just is this normal guy. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, uh, You got five hours of leisure time a day. You got to do something, right? Uh, You can't just... Sit there. So whether you, you uh, feel like you really agree with that five hours or not, uh, the point is that, that all of us spend our lives, uh, we use our, our time and our effort, our, our abilities, our, uh, the, the, who we are, and, and we do something. Uh, we, we work, we eat, we sleep, we watch TV, we hang out in the background of news uh, TV casts. Uh, we, we, we use our time somehow. And, and I, I don't want to waste mine. And I think it's probably true across the board. We don't want to waste our time. We've, we've, we've been created. I believe with all my heart that we have been created by God with this innate desire at the core of who we are to do something meaningful with our lives. We were created for a purpose. And when you come to God and you accept His grace and you accept His forgiveness and, and you know that there is a, you realize, uh, and you own that there is a God who loves you and you come to Him, then, then you'll begin to discover your purpose, why you're here. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, um, kind of, kind of describes all that. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is uh, not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So, uh, we were created by God to do something, to do uh, good works. Uh, there are things in life that God wants each of us to do, and, and as we do that, we show him off to the world. 
This month we've been focusing on, uh, on, on who we are as a church, right? And, uh, and, and what God wants us to be doing on mission for Him. And we've been telling you for weeks, uh, don't put it up there yet, David. Don't, uh, let's see if anybody knows. Uh, our mission, our new mission statement is? Hey! Wow, that's like five of you. That's all. No, that was more like 10 or 15. That's good. Go ahead and put it up there. We live to love people to life. Go ahead and say it again. Oh, come on now. We live to love people to life. With gusto. Can we say it? Do we need it? We live to love people to life. Okay, so, uh, and, and I mean, if you're getting sick of hearing that, um, just get used to it because you're going to keep hearing it over and over and over. No, uh, there, there's that little insert in your uh, in your bulletin uh, that we've had in there for several weeks that that, that kind of gives the the one sheet synopsis, so to speak, of of, of uh, our mission and uh, then our values and our measures and our strategy. So so what we're doing and why we're doing it and and where uh, how we're going to get there and how we know when we're when we're on the right track. And so I've been walking down through that list, actually taking that list of measures, which is about two thirds the way down the page there, and uh, and those questions that we can ask ourselves. I just think they're they're powerful questions. They they really help us get handles on uh, our our spiritual lives and and whether we're on the right track or not. And so we've uh, we've looked at the first few. Have I met with God today? Well, that's a, a practical thing that I can evaluate. Have I met with God today? And if I haven't, then maybe I need to. Right? Uh, um, am I trusting and obeying God in everything? Well, well, uh, again, uh, very practical. Or are there certain places where I'm not trusting and obeying God in certain. Uh, last week we talked about do I see Jesus in the mirror and 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 uh, and walk through what that might look like. So once we've evaluated if we're walking closely with Jesus, if we're obeying Him, if we're letting Him develop His holy character in us so that we see Him uh, in our in our character. The next step then is that next question: evaluating what we're doing with our time. And and the question that we we have there is who have I served today? Now I don't know you English teacher. Maybe we should say whom. Have I served? I don't know, but that sounds a little too formal. So I'm going to stick it, keep it with who. Who have I served today? Uh, this really gets to the heart of how we show the love of God to other people. We serve them because we love them. We live to love people to life. I think a, a lot of people uh, take this, uh, kind of get get things turned around. We looked there a minute ago at Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 2, and, and, and they think that maybe if they do enough good stuff, if I'm going to do enough good things, if I do the good works, then 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 I'm I'm doing this for God and I'm doing this for other people, and then maybe God will will notice and he'll he'll honor me or or now he'll love me because I've done enough good things and 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 so now he'll forgive me because I've I've outweighed the bad things. That's not what this says at all. Good works come after we've received God's gift of grace. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So, so we are, we are saved. Uh, we, we come to faith in Christ. We follow Him. We love Him. We recognize that He loves us. And all of that is a gift of grace. And, but now that we're following Him, once we step into that relationship with God, then He wants to use us. Um, I I don't know if you uh, notice them or not. I I kind of have this goofy, twisted appreciation for the church reader board signs. <laughs> Usually, there's uh, letters missing, and uh, you can't hardly read them. Sometimes they're spelled wrong, and usually they're cheesy. Uh, but but I kind of um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I saw one. The I could go through a whole other list of those up here, I guess. But um, uh, I. 
I saw one. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with anything. But uh, uh, one, one said, it's all about that grace, about that grace, about that grace, no devil. Um, so, you know, I mean, you've got to appreciate somebody's uh, sense of cre- creativity, so to speak. Anyway, so I saw one uh, a long time ago. It said, free trip to heaven, details inside. I wanted to go in right then because I was going to... No. And, and so it's true. I mean, yes, there is a, a glorious, wonderful, free trip uh, to heaven for all those who accept God's grace. It's, a, it's, it's the gift of God. Uh, uh, but at the same time, we can't just stop right there, right? Uh, uh, we're not there yet. We're, we, it's not that you step inside, you get your tickets to heaven, and you go get on the bus out back, right? It's, it's, we're still here. There, there's still things uh, that, that, that God has planned for us to do. He has a plan in this world, and, and, uh, and, and he wants to use all those who are following him to, uh, to be part of his plan, to bring about his kingdom in this world. And so we serve him at, while we're, as we're serving others. There are, there are good works ready for us to do. Uh, some churches don't necessarily operate that way. They may operate more like this story uh, I read. It says, once upon a time there were some visitors who took a tour to an oil refinery. And the tour guide showed them all the intricacies of the refining process. Uh, there were these huge catalyst chambers, and there were pipes, and there were heating vats, and, and all the stuff that went into this uh, the refining of oil. The tour ended, and, and one, of the, one of the people on the tour asked the guide, uh, Okay, uh, we saw all this. Uh, where's the shipping department? Where do you send all this out? I mean, you spent all this time and, and effort uh, uh, getting the, the, the petroleum and, and refining the process and, and, and turning it it into to, to, to gasoline and lubricants and all these things. What, where, where is the shipping department? And the tour guide said, oh, we don't, we don't have a shipping department. All of, the, all of the, uh, the, the product that we produce here goes back in to operate the refinery. Seems like you could kind of cut your losses and move on, right? Um, unfortunately, I think there are a lot of churches that, that operate a little bit like that. Uh, they exist merely to keep themselves going. And they're looking, they're not necessarily looking to serve anyone else, but simply to provide for themselves. But, but over and over again, uh, God calls us in scripture not just to provide for our own comfort, but to have compassion for others, to serve them, to meet their needs in His name. There, there's a, a passage in, uh, in Matthew 25 that, where Jesus is, is giving us a, a glimpse of the end of time. Uh, judgment, what judgment day will look like. And, um, and, and he says, uh, he says it this way, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. And he kind of describes what we should be, if judgment day is like this, what should we be doing along the way so that we're ready for it? Uh, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Goats? Sheep? You guys haven't decided yet, I guess. Just kidding. All right. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or in need of clothing or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Someone much smarter than me once said, the church is the only institution created for the existence of its non-members. One of the biggest dangers that a church or that a follower of Christ can fall into is to get just enough religion to be comfortable, so to speak, right? But we're here on this planet not to seek comfort, but to reach out with compassion. We can get so caught up in what we want, what makes us feel good, what ministers to our souls, and we can lose sight of why we're here in the first place. We live to love people to life. Just, just a side note, that's just the way we say it. Um, we didn't like dream that up to um, like, like the vision team that has met for, for so many months. We didn't like start from ground zero. The, the mission is kind of the same <laughs> anywhere and everywhere, right? The, the scripture is clear on that. This is just a way that we can say it, that, uh, that, that, that we've uh, kind of boiled down to, to what's, uh, what's, what's a great way for us to, to motivate us. But we're all called to go and make disciples and to, to, uh, to, to help people to find faith in Christ, to help them experience the life that God wants us to live. Uh, every, every Christian church, every Christian Christ follower is called to that. This is just how we're saying it. We live to love people to life. So this passage, from the looks of it, on Judgment Day, God is going to be focused on how we treated people around us, how we served the world in his name. He describes several uh, categories of people there, people with different needs and things, but he, then he describes them as the least of these. And, and he says that the best way to serve him is to serve them. Hence the question, who have I served today? The, the first answer, I guess, is I've served Jesus today. I want to say that, but, but we serve Jesus by serving other people by meeting needs in his name. So, so who have I served today? As I look at this list and Jesus is talking there at the end of time and, and says, uh, lists all these different people and needs and things, uh, you know, I, I, first response might be, I don't, I don't know whether I've served, uh, all these people, I don't run across too many naked people, uh, uh, from, uh, thankfully, I guess, uh, the people that need clothing. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't think this is meant to be an exhaustive list, uh, but it's simply uh, pointing out that there are people and there are needs all around us in this world, and when we look beyond our own desires and, and we start serving other people to meet their needs, we're serving Jesus. So who are the people that God wants you to serve? 
It, it could very well be people that you rub shoulders with every day. We're, we're talking here, uh, you spent a little bit of time a, a little while ago talking about these touch points, and, and, and it could be that, uh, that, that these are the, uh, the, the people that, that we're talking about, that the, the people that you rub shoulders with every day. Maybe it's the people in your family or, or the people in... Why it just came to me. These are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. In... There, thank you. Thank... It's good. Uh, can we work that up for next week? Maybe just um, the people that you meet each day. Those, those are the people that we need to be serving, the people that we are rubbing shoulders with every day. It's also true, though, that we need to be looking for these opportunities um, because perhaps in our community even more than some others, uh, there are a lot of needs that are, that are hidden, right? Uh, we... Uh, we, we put up a, a front, so to speak. We want to look all nice and good, and we've got a nice house and a nice car and a, and a, and a good job, and, and so everything's, everything's good, all good. We come into church, and, hey, how you doing today? And the, great, the right answer is fine, because we don't want to find out about all the other stuff that might be good. We, we put up a good front. The needs are hidden, uh, could be crumbling on the inside. So I think it's important to to drill down for just a second on this relational part of this. We live to love people to life. We don't live to swoop in and provide stuff uh, and, and be a charity organization. We live to dive into messy relationships sometime, to get down and dirty with someone in the middle of their stuff and show them the love of Jesus. We serve them. And when we serve them, we're serving him. We're loving people to life. We're linking arms. It could very well be, uh, you know, that, that, that we're, that we're, we're uh, meeting needs and serving in some of the, some of the aspects in our, in our, either in our church or in our community where we're, you know, serving in the, the personal care pantry or, or delivering food or, or working at the, uh, uh, whatever, the uh, Oasis of Hope or Love Inc. You know, all those things are a great organization. We dive in there. But, uh, but, but ultimately we're not just coming in as, as the savior, so to speak, in order to meet needs and aren't we great. That's not the purpose. That's not where we're at. We need to be uh, diving into these relationships. I, I think another thing to recognize is that, that it's, it's not the same for all of us. We are all uniquely gifted and, and formed, created to, uh, to serve in unique ways. Uh, Rick Warren's book has been around for years, The Purpose Driven Life. I think they kind of re, uh, uh, re-released it here a few years ago. There's a, there's a group meeting, uh, right now, kind of, uh, finishing up walking through that, uh, here in our church. Um, so, uh, Purpose Driven Life, and he talks a lot about this, that, that every person has been shaped uniquely, uh, for, for service. I, I want to read just a, just a portion out of that. Um, Pastor Warren says, God formed every creature on this planet with a special area of expertise. Some animals run, some hop, some swim, some burrow, and some fly. Each has a particular role to play based on the way it was shaped by God. The same is true with humans. Each of us was uniquely designed or, quote, shaped to do certain things. Before architects design any new building, they first ask, what will be its purpose? How will it be used? The intended function always determines the form of the building. Before God created you, he decided what role he wanted you to play on earth. He planned exactly how he wanted you to serve him, and then he shaped you for those tasks. 
You are the way you are because you were made for a specific ministry. Not only did God shape you before birth, he planned every day of your life to support his shaping process. Uh, David says, Psalm 139, 16, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This means that nothing that happens in your life is insignificant. God uses all of it to mold you for your ministry to others and to shape you for your service to him. You have a unique, a, a unique personality, a unique blend of, of abilities. Uh, a, 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 you have a, a set of unique passions and experiences and gifts uh, that, that shape you in order to serve. And, and you're shaped different than me, uh, uh, and I'm shaped different than the next. Put together in a way that will, uh, will best fulfill these good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do in serving other people. Let's think about it this way. Uh, so in a couple of weeks, we're having a potluck dinner, right? Uh, where you're, you're bringing food. Let's, let's say that at that dinner out here after church in a couple of weeks, uh, someone gets a, a full plate of food and they're walking away and God forbid it spills all over the brand new tile at Cafe Nass. Now, first of all, we're going to have to hold Nick back because he's going to be mad about that. Um, this is how people with different gifts or different shapings uh, might, uh, might respond to that. Someone with the gift of prophecy might say, that's what happens when you're not careful. Someone, someone with the gift of teaching might say, well, the reason that the plate fell was because it was too heavy on one side. And if you balance your food around the plate, that's less likely to happen. Someone with the gift of exhortation might say, next time, maybe you should let someone else carry that. The gift of giving might say, here, you can have my plate. The gift of mercy, don't feel bad. It it could have happened to anyone. The gift of administration might say, Dave, go get the mop. Uh, Henry, pick that plate up. Rebecca, get him another plate. Uh, The gift of administration. Someone with the gift of service might say, oh, let me help you with that. We might need parts of all of those things in dealing with that process. Now, don't get any ideas in a couple of weeks and spill your plate and see what happens. Um... Different gifts, unique shapes, it prepares us for the good works that have been prepared for us to do. Who have I served today? So if there are certain good works that God has prepared for you personally to do, and you're not doing them, well, what happens? So I, a couple of things, I guess. Either they're not getting done, so people are not being served and they're not encountering the love of Jesus in, in, uh, in, in your service to them. You are not encountering the face of Jesus on the face of someone that you're serving. And, and, and all of that just doesn't happen. And, and that could certainly be the case. Another thing that might happen is that someone is uh, is stepping in to serve where you're supposed to serve, and now they're not only doing what they're supposed to do, but they're also doing what you were supposed to do, and now they're not doing either one to the uh, best of their ability because now they're they're stretched beyond where uh, where they're supposed to be serving. If you're that person where you're stepping in uh, and, well, it has to be done, I guess I'm going to do this, uh, maybe you're actually keeping someone from serving in a place where, where they need to serve uh, because you're covering it, so to speak. All, all of this, I think, who have I served today, all of this kind of boils down to willingness, a willingness to be used, a, a humility that, that, that comes to Jesus and says, I'm yours, use me.
As we follow Jesus, uh, he leads us to the best life possible. So uh, we, we learn to trust him and we learn to obey him and he develops his character in us. And when people encounter us, they get a taste of him. And as he develops us, we become willing to be used, to, to, to serve. We're willing to give our time. We're willing to give our gifts. We're li- willing to give our lives, who God has made us to be in order to meet needs around us, to serve people in his name. As, uh, as, as many of you know, uh, about three weeks ago, Rebecca's grandmother passed away. Um, the night after her 95th birthday, she was born on Easter Sunday uh, and, uh, and, and died just a couple hours after Easter Sunday was over three weeks ago. Uh, we called her Nanny. Um, actually, once, uh, once Claire came along, um, she was maybe two or three, and uh, Nanny had fallen and had a broken arm, and Claire started going, Nanny, boo-boo, Nanny, boo-boo. So we started calling her Nanny Boo-boo from that point on. Um, those of you that are grandparents, you know how those names kind of develop. Um, but anyway, we, uh, we, we gathered, obviously, uh, for the, the services there a couple weeks ago. And time doesn't allow me to tell all the stories about, uh, about this, uh, this, this godly woman and the 95 years that, uh, that she lived and the impact that her fun-loving spirit and her kindness and, and, and the ways that she, she prayed for people and the, uh, the, the, their thoughtfulness and her selflessness. Uh, I mean, it, it was an inspiring funeral service celebrating her life and her legacy. And, and as I prepared for my part in that, Rebecca and I kind of talked a little bit and, 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 uh, what the, what the scripture, uh, passage or passages might be. Uh, and, and, uh, we settled on Matthew chapter five verses 13 through 16 uh, from the message. Um, not only does it, you, you didn't, didn't, most of you didn't know Nanny Boo Boo, but, uh, but it, it kind of summed up, not only summed up the life of this, this saintly woman who had invested herself in others, uh, but I think it also calls us to, um, uh, challenges us to invest our lives for others as well. So it's fresh on my mind, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Just uh, just an interesting note. These are the verses that come immediately following the, uh, the Beatitudes that we spent all winter uh, studying. So blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. And, and then this flows right out of that once, we, once we've covered all that. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13 from the message, it says it this way. Let me tell you why you are here. I think I'd perk up a little bit if Jesus is telling me why I'm here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. (laughs) Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. 
I want to bring the flavor of God to the world where I live. Don't you? I, I want to bring God's light into the dark places of this world. It's, it's why we're here. I, I, I want to be generous with my life, with, with the time, the resources, the energy, the, the gifts, the, the life that God has given. I want to be generous with my life. The, uh, the propelling thought, I think, for today is how will you spend your 168 hours this week? Who will you serve? Because you can't just sit there. Father God, you, you have made us who we are. You have formed us in your image. And you formed us uniquely. Uh, you've put us together. You desire us to have a relationship with you. And we thank you for the gift of your forgiveness and, and grace and the ways that, 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 that you, have, you have brought us to abundant life. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to show us, to reveal to us how you want to use us. That, that you'll, you'll show us this, the, the, these good works that you have prepared for us to do. Lord, I confess that, that, that I waste some time. I'm sure that's true for all of us. I pray that you would propel us into the world, that, that you could help us to sense your guidance, that you'll help us to take the steps that we need to, uh, to, to engage others, to, that we can truly bring the God flavors and colors to this world where we live. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, we can go knowing that we are, we are uh, going in uh, not only the power of your spirit, but in the guidance of your spirit, and, and that you desire us to make a difference in this world, to serve other people, Lord. And so I pray that as we evaluate our lives, that you'll continue to, to reveal to us who we need to be serving today, tomorrow, this week. Make a difference in this world through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.